0: football draft gets turned on its head during preseason action. You're used to it. ADPs change. And so much of it is because of these random ass headlines that get posted every single day from training camp. This guy's doing well. This one's not. Hayden Winks, Josh Norris, today, the 10, it's closer to 20, uh, headlines that really matter most for you conducting your drafts and your rankings right now. Did I cover it there, Hayden Winks?
1: Yeah, I also want to say that the sources that we're pulling from matter a lot. There are a lot of people up in the stands with ketchup stains on that are reporting things versus ESPN and the athletic reporters. And you got to know where to actually trust people. And we're, we're working for Rota World for a little bit is helping us parse through some of that stuff. So I think that you're going to see sources from that uh, are completely opposite ends, yep. but you have to know which ones to trust. And it doesn't make sense contract-wise, depth
0: chart-wise, timing-wise, all that stuff. Yeah. A lot of stuff has changed even in the last week in your fantasy draft. So if you've taken a week off from drafting an underdog fantasy, go in the lobby, see how some ADPs have flipped. And yes, as Hayden said, there's hard news and there's noise. We're going to talk about the noise here today too, and put context to it and tell you exactly what matters so much to get to. Let's not waste any more time. And it starts off with awful news as we're known to do. Tim Patrick will miss the entire season after coming down with a non-contact ACL injury in practice. We talked about this Broncos, Wide receiver room, I call it a paradox at one point because at least talking to Robert Mays, who has a source, let's just say high, high up in the Broncos organization. Tim Patrick was going to play this big slot role, very key across the league right now. Jerry, Judy, Cortland Sutton on the outside. And we love Tim Patrick where he was going in drafts around what wide receiver 40 ish range, 50 ish range. Yep. Um, but now what do we do? How do we handle the Broncos wide receiver group as it pertains to Russell Wilson moving forward?
1: Well, obviously, this helps Cortland Sun and Jerry Judy out fantasy-wise. I think, in particular, it helps out Jerry Judy because uh, a week ago, we didn't know if Jerry Judy was going to be in two wide receiver sets. We were going to learn that in the preseason. Now we know he's going to be in the two, two wide receiver sets, the depth behind Jerry Judy. It's KJ Hamler, who's still recovering from Uh, a a knee and hip injury he's he's saying that he's going to be 100 healthy by week one but we always know how optimistic these players are and then behind him it's like seth williams benjamin albright who is one of my favorite broncos reporters he's not expecting a big name no odell beckham no Will Fuller, none of that he thinks it's going to be jerry judy and Cortland sutton maintaining a big part of this passing game so you have to move jerry judy up just because we know he's going to be into wide receiver sets and that's something that we could not take to the bank before this injury.
0: Absolutely. And maybe Cortland Sutton now is the odds on favorite to be that wide receiver 16, as we've talked about on so many other shows, hopefully you're subscribed and listening and watching those as well. After DJ Moore is wide receiver 15. There are tons of questions with every name around there. Jerry Judy dropped a little bit down to wide receiver 22. I guess my question again, I, I don't mean to get so nuanced here, but no one fits the archetype of that team in that big slot role anymore. You know, they're not going to move Cortland Sutton there. He's do we need it though? I, I think it's been really important and it went against where Tim Patrick and Jerry Judah were being utilized beforehand. So I think it was important for Nathaniel Hackett. If I could throw maybe a sprinkle of a projection here, it would be so many people are immediately pivoting on over to KJ Hamler and I get it, man. But he's such a, like a wide receiver is not a wide receiver is not a wide receiver, Right. So like he and Tim Patrick play the game totally differently that I wouldn't be shocked if we see maybe a bit more 12 personnel, maybe Greg Dulcich or Alberto or someone else like that as an attached tight end or an extra inline tight end and have them, you know, run more two wide receiver sets than three wide receiver sets. But it's just not as crystal clear from a top down organization view for them being good, but it actually might clear things up for the Courtland Sutton versus Jerry Judy dynamic that we were living in.
1: I moved Cortland Sutton to 31st overall uh, and into the top 15 fantasy receivers. I think he has a massive, massive ceiling because there is not that much size outside of Cortland Sutton, unless they're going to put Seth Williams out there, who's 6'3". But KJ Hamler and Jerry Judy aren't physical type of players. So I think Cortland Sutton, clearly in that DK Metcalf role, clearly the downfield threat. I think that Jerry Judy is going to be playing on the outside and the inside, I think in three wide receiver sets, KJ Hamler will be the primary slot player, vertical slot type uh, that's pending health here. And I think that he's not going to be a full time player because he's not going to be in three wide receiver or two wide receiver sets. And I also think that Seth Williams is going to get a crack into Ooh. this lineup a little bit just because of size issues. You can't have Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler on the field for every single three wide receiver set. I think you have to kind of rotate that around. So slight win for Alberto. Definitely a big win for Jerry Judy. A slight win for Cortland Sutton. I think now we have to be talking about Cortland Sutton. Why was is he, he a in that AJ, Is he ahead? I have him ahead of AJ Brown. Like, wow. Tyree Kill. Like I mean, we're talking wow. about the target share. Like Albert O's like kind of rotating in training camp. He's hasn't been like a, a huge target earner to date yet. Yeah. And all of a sudden, we're really thinned out here. Okay.
0: Before we move on, I'm going to skip over some things because it just makes sense to talk about the Broncos' backfield, since we're talking about the Broncos' wide receivers. Uh, Every day on Twitter, I know you all occupy the same bubble that we do. This is the noise. Something gets thrown out there, and uh, people run with it, right? We react. We get to it. Uh, My friend, literally very friendly with Cecil Lammy, wrote something to the effect of While I expected it to be 80-20 Javante Williams over Melvin Gordon in snaps, it's closer to 70-30. Two things, Hayden. One, even if it was just 70-30, that's a massive win for Javante Williams as the running back 11 or running back 12. To put context to this, always only five running backs played 60 plus percent of their team snaps last year, just one at 70%. And that was Najee Harris. But then maybe the most important part of this, Hayden, is that we got conflicting reports. And we always go to Ben Albright. We've had him on this show. He ate lunch on the show, even. Uh, the Broncos' first-team running back splits for him have not been 70-30. They've been 54-46 in his own charting. So with all of this madness that happened on Twitter, what are we doing with it?
1: I believe Ben Albright uh, Cecil Salami's kind of fantasy projections. And he even walked back that initial 70-30 Uh, on top of walking back to 80-20. And like Ben Albright said, it's 54, 46 uh through the first week. Now, I think that there's a bunch of things we can go here. Uh, number one, this is training camp week one. In training camp week three, this could be 60-40. I'm ultimately expecting this to be 60-40. I think that Javante is gonna get the first crack, and then the next drive in comes Melvin Gordon, kind of like the inverse of how it was last year, with Javante having the ability to get a much deeper role. I think we're looking at uh Props, if we're just looking at a median projection, I do think this matters. In Best Ball Mania 3, I don't think this matters all that much. We're aiming for ceilings, even if this is 55, 45, 60, 40, whatever numbers you want to throw out there. There's no denying Javante Williams still has number one overall fantasy upside based off this offense based off his own skill set at the same time so does melvin gordon melvin gordon's one of my 10 must draft players right now because of this reason i think that he has a chance to beat his adp even in a committee but if something happens to javante melvin gordon himself becomes a top 20 fantasy asset so i think that this matters for medium outcomes but for best ball mini three in particular it, it would be very easy to overreact to this news we still have weeks for
0: this ultimately to settle like what 60 40 For sure. And we always get really excited about Javante Williams. He's a highlight reel. You know, he is the type that when you watch him in isolation, he breaks tackles. It's all the stuff that you want to replay over and over and over again. But the facts are that last year, basically, it was split 50-50. Not just in touches, but in high-value touches and every single facet of everything. Everything, literally, is 50%. And we thought Melvin Gordon was great, you know? Hmm? I also think that maybe Javante takes a year to jump in the areas that he wasn't as good at last season because he has flaws to his game that people don't talk about and he's just unquestionably the best runner out there and like so there's maybe a week nine or week 12 where he is getting 70 percent of the workload but as you said where they're going running back 11 what running back 40 as well at worst you're taking maybe a small loss on each of the yeah. picks for a potential monstrous gain and we have a whole clip on this If you want to watch their tape along with us down on the channel too
1: yeah, I think ultimately my reaction is at in the early beginning of the third round. That's where I have Javante Williams. If you want to pick him in the late second round right there with you as well. But I am really going out of my way to draft Melvin Gordon. Like he is one of my flag plants. I called him this year's James Conner. Now the difference is James Conner did it without an injury. And Melvin Gordon obviously would have to do this with an injury. But Benjamin Albright says that Melvin Gordon's more experienced in the passing game He was more experienced in this wide zone rushing offense, which is why he was the 1A last year. I think that they have to give the keys to Javante to be the 1A this year, but you can't be overly surprised if this is 55-45-60-40
0: at the end of the day. It's a fun little trio of backs in that running back 36 to running back 38. Kenneth Walker, who hopefully you watched our last show on the eight players you want to leave every single draft with. He was one of them. Melvin Gordon and then Cordero Patterson, who we're still above ADP on. And it makes no sense where his ADP is. But that's a conversation. No comment on that. For another time. Uh, it's going to be a long show, by the way. Uh, next up. Contract news. And I was shocked by it. I, just making notes for this show. Compiling headlines. I think I read one that the Steelers and Deontay Johnson's agent were way apart. Then, out of nowhere this morning, from Mike Garafolo, the Steelers and Deontay Johnson have agreed on a two-year three $36 million extension that allows him to be a free agent after the 2024 season. So that means he's in Pittsburgh this year, next year, and in 2024. Um this was in the back of my brain whenever I was drafting deontay johnson because steelers beat writers constantly said that they didn't want to pay top of market all these wide receiver prices for deontay so now that he is locked in for three years now that they he wants to be there they want him as well does this impact where you're drafting him at all it
1: gives me a little more confidence it makes me pump the brakes a little bit on the george pick and stuff i still like george pickens but i think that there's some uh Confidence in Deontay now, I d- will say, I think what happened here is the Steelers offered this and they didn't think that Deontay would accept this because this is not true elite number no, one money. This is a year. Christian Kirk and Hunter Renfro were in that range.
0: It's a great uh, deal for the Steelers.
1: It is. It is a good deal for the Steelers. It comes back to this saying, How good is Deontay? How do we value them? Because we are transferring to a different
0: offense. That's I've <laughs> had a love-hate relationship. You're, you've had a love-hate relationship with Deontay Johnson for years. It has spanned.
1: I, I have. I'm fine with him in the fourth, fifth round. I think that's where he belongs. I've been drafting him in the middle of the fourth round in this, like, bucket of wide receivers. I like him better than Marquise Brown. I don't like him as much as Cortland Sutton. I think him versus Jerry Judy is interesting. Him versus Terry McLaurin. Brandon we're all on the right. Bolt. We're, in, we're in the range. I would go Deontay over Brandon Cooks personally, but um we're, we found the right range. I think that this kind of solidifies this. I think the big thing is this was a, probably a, a good deal for the Steelers, all things considered, because the wide receiver market has gone completely nuts, and oh, yeah. he didn't quite get into that market.
0: It was a hold in. So all these things of George Pickens and Chase Claypool and Calvin Austin, we haven't seen them all work in unison. And in fact, today when Deontay returned to practice, I believe Chase Claypool has been out of the lineup too, just sitting out of practice. Um, Chase Claypool in the slot is intriguing, though. Again, we talked about this because this is kind of how he used at Notre Dame. And then we've isolated George Pickens as one of our favorite picks as well, but he's still going at like what, what like 170? So, yeah. yeah, 157 overall wide receiver 70. So in your normal drafts, you can get him super, super late and just get ahead of that, man. Like, again, if he makes one or two plays, George Pickens is going to skyrocket here over the next uh, over the next two weeks. And one final note. I'm not against a Mitch Trubisky, Matt Canada led offense passing game being better than the one we saw with Ben Roethlisberger last season. Just want to put that on the table.
1: I'm not going to k- commit to Trubisky being that. After seeing he's like 0 for 16 in this like inside the five yard line drill, apparently it's been really bad for Pickett, uh, for Trubisky, oh, pick it's for all abismal. of them. Um, well, yeah, it's early. He's at least getting second team reps. I think this uh, this quarterback competition is far from over. I feel like everyone's r- ridden off uh, Kenny Pickett, but I mean
0: Trubisky has not been playing well. Which I thought you might surprise. you might drop a Mason Rudolph on us there. I'm no, glad you did well. not. Okay. Over to Deshaun Watson, that point of the show, we know a couple of days ago, uh, Sue L. Robinson um, noted, decided, recommended. Watson recommended, maybe is the best way of putting this, a six-game suspension, even though she said he was basically guilty on all counts and showed zero remorse. Um, this, above all, is setting new precedent that the NFL and how they're allowed to operate moving forward based on the 2020 CBA. And this is the first massive case since then. So basically Roger Goodell, and now since he's appointed someone else, a third party to basically mask over anything else besides that six game suspension, it is going to now be longer for Deshaun Watson. How do you want to even talk about this? Because from a fantasy football lens, um, Deshaun Watson is now going to miss more than six games And he's certainly missing week one, too.
1: Yes, he's going to miss the first six uh, games of the season, no matter what. And I think it's either going to be 12 games or the entire season's kind of uh what's in play here basically roger goodell has the power to come up with whatever he wants the suspension to be we know that he was pushing for an indefinite indefinite suspension with treatment the other option that they were doing during negotiations was 12 games with a 10 million dollar fine the reason why they picked that 10 million dollars is that basically makes the 2021 season a suspension last year he was holding out and getting paid if they do find him 10 million dollars basically that's a one-year suspension without the pay so those are the two options that deshaun watson was facing i don't know if the nfl is still going to have those offers on the table but it ultimately is going to come down to the nfl is going to say deshaun watson do you want to settle this thing or are we going to go to court it seems like the nfl pa deshaun watson are willing to go to court to fight this the problem is tom brady and Zeke Elliott lost in court in similar cases. The difference is now they have an arbitrator who found him guilty. So it's even right. harder for Deshaun Watson to do it. It seems like the the judge ultimately would just throw out this case immediately, say, you signed up for this in the CBA. So all the powers in the NFL's hands. I don't know if they're going to go crazy with it. One year, fine, treatment, or if it's going to be a negotiation where you end up getting 12 games and um, monetary suspension, we don't really know at this point.
0: And Deshaun likely doesn't want this to enter into 2023 as well. Cause we know that's when the $45 million yep. starts kicking in. And I did see some mostly from Brown's Twitter suggesting, well, if there is a, a push or a stay on this via a trial, then uh, he might be able to play in week one. No, because they've already accepted that they've already accepted the week one through week six suspension. Yep. And this is all about week seven and beyond. Mike Florio is fantastic on this stuff. Charles Robinson is in fantastic on this stuff. And basically, you know, the NFL gave them a settlement. They denied it. There's still time for the settlement to then take place. And as you outlined, that was about a 12 game plus a fine or treatment. Now, um, the league, Roger Goodell, whoever gets to a point at this stage get to decide on it. And, uh, so at the very least it's six games, and I, I would bet it's 12 or a full season. And then that's that.
1: Yeah. And I think the big thing is the contract tolling. If it is an entire suspension, his contract just gets picked up and moved to 2023, which means he loses an entire year of free agency money l- later on, which was going to be 50 plus million dollars. So at this point, if you're Deshaun Watson, your camp, you'd be thinking, hey, that 10 million dollar fine, that 12 games suspension sounds pretty good. So I'm curious to see if that's where this goes. And they dodge court. But I think we're going to learn about this, uh, not this week, but early next week. And I think they're going to try to expedite the process that's what they have to do in the cba but bottom line for fantasy purposes i'm not expecting deshaun watson maybe at the very tail end of the season but i think for the most part he's got to be like pick 200th overall in best ball mania three only if you're willing to risk uh to risk your entry i don't think that he's going to end up playing many games here if if at all
0: can we not talk about how this impacts amari cooper david and nick chubb we everyone already gets it just, yeah yeah let's take that for another time okay los angeles rams I'm not going to say a weird training camp for them. Cause there's a lot of Allen Robinson buzz. We've talked about that at first, but let's start the running back position. A couple weeks ago, uh, I made the case for cam Akers being a forgotten about feature back because of how last season ended. I mean, in the five games leading up to the super bowl, right? When he came back from Achilles surgery, he got 19 touches over every single other running back that was out there on the field. Um, lots of focus on the 2.6 yards per carry. Well, since then Hayden, what we've gotten from Sean McVay is quote, I look at it as we've got two starting backs. Those guys are a great complement to one another, but I see them as both starting caliber. I think it's healthy for them to be able to supplement one another. That's alluding to cam Akers versus Daryl Henderson, pretty drastic ADP between both. And most importantly, if this is true, if this is fact, a team that really hasn't been able to rely on Hendo because of how he's finished the last couple seasons, this and already has greatly impacted my perception of cam makers.
1: So I walked to Rams training camp yesterday. I was spilling ketchup all over my shirt and I was looking at cam makers versus Daryl Henderson. How it was working is, Cam Akers would go in first for the first few plays with the first team offense. And while the rest of the first team offense stayed on the field, Cam Akers would come out. Henderson would come on. They've been splitting first team reps. I don't know. They they weren't getting into too many situations. Jordan Rodriguez will have this covered to full detail. I think the Rams want Cam Akers to be that guy. Like you said, that they've always been playing through these injuries for like the last four or five seasons. This Rams team has been dealing with running back injuries. So I wouldn't be surprised if this is a one, a one B situation. I still lean that can makers uh would have a, a much higher upside here um but maybe he goes from a, a fourth round pick to a fifth round pick the problem is though like we don't get answers in the preseason the rams are exactly. not gonna give us anything so we are going to be going into this relatively blind so whatever jordan rodriguez says basically is what my opinion on the situation is going to be and i think the rams don't even know that because so they haven't like put uh cam makers in like a full position to like, go see what he can actually sustain on his on his leg same thing with henderson
0: and i believe that kyron williams their draft pick has missed time yeah, this preseason as well but i want to note jordan who was one of the best and so already closely tied to this rams organization has said that they wanted Ka- kyron williams at some point this season to supplant daryl henderson and that's what gave me even more positivity about dead running back cam makers but the most I'm not going to say frustrating aspect of this is that we're not going to see Cam Akers or probably Daryl Henderson take a single snap in. We will not. I can that's promise how, you that. That's how Sean McVay operates, and so we'll have no clue until uh, until Week One rolls around. I, I'm, I am leaving the light on for Cam Akers, especially if he drops another round. I know that's true running back dead zone territory, but legit when and Daryl Henderson can be explosive, but whenever he has had the opportunity to claim this backfield to himself it's ankles every single time it's ankles and it's repeated in college in nfl and i'm i hate predicting injuries but i think in this case it's different than in other scenarios we've discussed
1: but they don't want to give him that many reps it's like not even predicting the injuries like the rams like don't even want to like give him 25 touches in a game because they're so concerned about this yeah i mean the other the bigger storyline here to me is the matthew stafford stuff like pulling up me, right now to me we are getting into the territory where i think you're deserving to be a little bit scared of this situation it's bad tendonitis and his throwing elbow i was at training camp and he didn't throw a single pass he was going under center bootlegging and he wasn't throwing And every other quarterback was throwing in positional drills he's not playing in team drills and jordan rodrigue had a great note that they don't expect matthew stafford to throw a football until they get back to the rams headquarters which is after training camp when well, we're talking about a couple weeks here um so i don't know matthew Stafford's a tough son of a gun but we're talking about the throwing elbow. I I don't think you can't at least have uh your eyes on this storyline. It's young, but it's on the back of my back of my mind.
0: Yeah, look, it's on the radar. Uh, in this closet that I have right here, I don't have a white lab coat, so I'm only guessing that tendinitis doesn't really get better just by resting. And they give it a R P injection. I know, and I keep wondering. Should this be impacting Cooper cup being the number one overall wide receiver when we have Justin Jefferson so closely linked, because it's not just Jordan again, the best Um, it's in the national stage. Now Rapsheet says he has bad tendonitis in his throwing elbow. He was doing some individual work, not in the practices that you were there, but he hasn't seen team activities at all. And we're not going to see him in preseason activities at all. And this seemed to linger last year and I'm guessing he didn't throw a single ball all offseason. And if it's still a problem, when is it going to get better? When is it going to get better?
1: Yeah, I didn't like that rap. sheet. called it bad tendonitis, Not like tendonitis bad tendonitis. I, I I haven't moved anyone in rankings yet. If Rams training camp ends and he's up in L.A. and he's still not throwing the ball very much, I think it's time to make some adjustments.
0: Final note from Jordan. Quote, and that an ongoing arm issue is legitimately a concern, comma, though we don't know how big of a concern, comma, because when Stafford has thrown, he's looked fine on the radar heavily. I yep. think it has to be. And we're
1: not gonna we're not gonna learn anything from this, I don't think, for a couple weeks, too, which makes it interesting. What we have learned
0: is about a third round pick previously in Alvin Kamara. Now Alvin Kamara is more likely to play this entire season because the battery case involving his incident in Las Vegas has been delayed another two months. And as the saints wire notes that puts doubts on a possible suspension during the 2022 season, um, Hayden Alvin Kamara had been drafted in that, let's say running back 15 territory, running back 14 territory, just ahead of James Conner, in between Travis Etienne. Um, Again, early parts of the third round, but that was all with the idea that maybe he gets suspended without that seeming likely at this point. Again, I'm no legal expert. Second round Alvin Kamara is just a lock.
1: Yeah, I think he's going to get back to that two, three turn. I saw him going in the fourth round a couple of times. I think we're just dodging a video leak at this point. It seems like okay. they're not going to plea this out. It seems like they're not going to expedite this. Uh, every court system is backed up right now because of the pandemic. So we're already pushing this another 60 days. Uh, and that's just to get this, this thing going. That's not just to, to, to figure this thing out. That's just to get this party started. So I think Alvin Kamara is going to probably walk away and not get suspended. Now there is a risk that this video leaks and it's week 11 and if this video leaks. And guess what you, you, you lost Alvin Kamara, but I think at this point, the the risk is lower. Uh, 60 days means a lot.
0: Okay. If you're new to the channel, welcome. Take three seconds. Hit that subscribe button down below. We have so many great individual videos on individual players, but also full-length, hour, 40, 30-minute episodes on a whole bunch of different topics. Players we're targeting, drafts as well. So uh, hopefully you make us a part of your rotation. I know you will during August, and they're moving forward. Okay. Speaking of individual videos that we've had all the way back in, I don't know our year two breakout show that was on about June 3rd. The man that I had been talking about is Joshua Palmer because he was the perfect late round wide receiver pick. I believe at the time, Hayden, I mean the ADP for Joshua Palmer was insane. I think it was around wide receiver 70 when we made that show, he's climbed all the way up to wide receiver 62 and a major note that I brought up for Palmer was that there were two avenues for him to be successful as the quote-unquote wide receiver three. One, to win that wide receiver three job outright because he split it 50-50 with Jalen Guyton last year. Or a potential injury to Mike Williams or Keenan Allen because last year when either of those players missed the game, he started in their spot, in the slot or outside. It sounds like from the Athletics' Daniel Popper, he expects Josh Palmer to quote, distance himself as the clear third wide receiver during camp. And it already sounds like that is underway.
1: Yeah. uh, Popper also said that Jalen Guyton is going to sprinkle in a little bit, but like on like very clear post routes and stuff, and that this will be Palmer's wide receiver three job. I think he'll be a boom bust wide receiver five. If Mike Williams and Keenan Allen are both healthy, but if either one of them go down, he can slide into the slot or on the outside. They were very, uh, it was very promising how well he did in those Keenan Allen, Mike Williams games late last season. So I think that right now he is the perfect player to uh, correlate with Justin Herbert. We like Justin Herbert in the fourth round of drafts. And I think that Joshua Palmer, where he's going, there's still room for some upside there. So uh, Josh Palmer, he's like kind of like maybe doesn't have like an elite traits anywhere, but kind of do a little bit of everything. And I think that's good enough for best ball.
0: So ADP changes since let's say May 31st, Joshua Palmer's up 31 spots. I'm happy to take credit for that. Congrats. <laughs> I'm happy to. I really think Joshua Palmer is plenty talented enough in a passing offense that we actually expect to throw more down the field earlier on early downs. Um, He could be huge. He could be absolutely huge where he's going. Like he fits in every single build, too. Okay. We also need to talk about the running back situation in, in Los Angeles as well for the chargers, because speaking of noise, Okay we knew that Isaiah Spiller was a target for this new chargers group in terms of brain and Staley, because they spent middle round picks and like Larry Roundtree and Joshua Kelly and it, and it hasn't worked out at all. And we thought that since Isaiah Spiller was a priority, played all three downs, pass pro, all that stuff that he might be the one to mix in early in camp. So when I believe it was Taylor Brashotti came out and said that then the practice she visited, uh, he was the only one Spiller seeing first team reps along with Austin Eckler. We ran with it seemed to not be the case though. Immediately after that popper, others have been saying that actually it's been mostly second team work for third team work for Spiller and both round tree and Joshua Kelly have also seen first team work. So it makes your brain spin. And it also maybe puts into question at this point in the calendar, it's a long season. Is Isaiah Spiller worthy of that running back 39 current ADP?
1: I think he is, because I don't think that Josh Kelly and Larry tree are that big of threats. It's early on in the season. We'll learn more in the preseason. Um, I just think that Isaiah Spiller is better. And he did it in college as an early declare in the SEC, playing all three downs, can pass protect. And that's what Austin Eckler was hoping for. I think it's still going to be Isaiah Spiller. I'm not moving him. I think there's other running backs uh, Rashad White's even further down in the pecking order. I think that he has more competition. I think Ty Davies Price is further down in the pecking order. I think some of these rookie running backs I'm more concerned with than Isaiah Spiller just because Larry Rantry and Josh Kelly like combined for like, I forget what it was, like 3.1 yards per carry. I mean, like, come on.
0: And Rashad White's going one pick after Isaiah Spiller on underdog fantasy. I would right take now. Spiller. I also, is Brandon Staley uh, a coach from, you know, since he worked with McVeigh that just doesn't play his starters in preseason too?
1: Yeah. But I feel like, I mean, Isaiah Spiller, if, if that's what if, I mean, if he, if I think Spiller playing, is
0: going to play.
1: Yes. Right. If, if Isaiah Spiller's not playing in the preseason, right. Like giddy up,
0: you know, right. but I, I think that maybe if he plays well in the first two weeks, then maybe in the third week, he doesn't The a little voice in the back of my head though. You and I didn't love Isaiah Spiller's tape. You know, like this might start factoring in a little bit here. And a lot of Graham Barfield didn't like it either. I, as soon as he was drafted as Chargers, you and I both said, it doesn't matter anymore if we liked him or not. Like they like him. Um, but if we get to the regular season, then maybe we should reevaluate our current stance and go back to our former stance, if that makes sense.
1: At least he didn't go to UCLA like Josh Kelly. Oh my gosh.
0: Okay, uh, let's go to Dallas Cowboys and we really need to talk about a rookie wide receiver who has a massive, massive opportunity like James Washington was signed as a veteran wide receiver for this team. And in the first few days of camp, fractures his right foot. And he's, I believe, out for at least, what, eight weeks, 10 weeks, if not the entire season. Um, Jalen Tolbert is one of these names, and we've brought it up before, but is not overly expensive at this point as wide receiver 56, 122 overall. But if Jalen Tolbert makes one play, first week of preseason one play second week of preseason couldn't you envision we've seen it before a jump of 24 36 spots just on simple snaps alone
1: yeah he's going to be out there they have nobody else it's like semi fiyoko and like all these other players that have never done anything at all i think that the cowboys have a chance to bring in somebody but i mean there is no free agents like what's free agent like are you scared of cole beasley is it emmanuel sanders at this point like who who are we actually afraid of so They want Jalen Tolbert to be the guy. Michael Gallup sounds like he can miss the first couple weeks of the season. James Washington's probably going to start the year on PUP, miss the first four weeks of the season, get eased back in to it. So if Jalen Tolbert can play, he's going to be out there. And the good thing about Jalen Tolbert's profile is big guy. He's going to be in the red zone. He's also a downfield weapon. He's not like an actual actual burner, but he's like a poor man's Mike Williams type where he's just going to go downfield, catch some jump balls. And I think that uh, goes to the better and best ball ethos here so i think that his adp is going to climb as it should
0: after about seven months of hibernation we did have a little communication that maybe some teams are did we though sniffing around will fuller i mean we hadn't literally hadn't heard his name at all and and as bullock mentions there's some prayer circles going on around (laughs) the dallas cowboys organization i think will fuller might be done
1: that report said teams are monitoring him. <laughs> yeah. And then also that he's not going to sign until later in the preseason. If that's not like flashing red concerns, that that might be worse than
0: not even getting that report. Yeah. Uh, CeeDee Lamb's going as the wide receiver six. And so again, jumping the closing the gap, let's say to the next wide receiver. We saw it last year, man. Marquez Calloway jumped up to like wide receiver 36 yeah. overall based on a couple big preseason moments. And I do want to plant a seed as we just did that um, draft with Daigle. It can be tough right now to pick and find people in round 17 and round 18. I might toss in a little Noah Brown there. Toss in a little Noah Brown. He's, not, he's the one I'm that he's kind of like lasted around when Cedric Wilson was there and a few others. Noah Brown, I believe he's super close with uh, with Zeke as well from their time at Ohio State together. Just something to keep in mind. Chiefs backfield time. It's a mess. I mean, it's just a freaking total mess. Is
1: it a mess? Is it a mess though?
0: <laughs> I think I Well, got what if this. it's not? Well, what I if think it's I got not? This. Okay. Well, let me just outline it here because Clyde edwards E'Laire is being drafted as the running back 28 on a very small deal. They brought in Rojo. They also re-signed Jarek McKinnon and they selected in the very final rounds of the draft, Isaiah Pacheco. Seems like all of those players maybe Roger the least has seen first team work. What are we doing here?
1: I think the chiefs are trying to make CH not a bell cow, but something close to it. And I think that he's one of my favorite value picks right now. I think he has tons of upside. I wrote a bold prediction show on underdog network. And I said that CH could be a top 15 fantasy running back. He's getting the bulk of first team reps uh, looking at contracts here. And I was looking at kind of what the chiefs have done when it comes to just how they're divvying up their 53 man, uh, roster and they have a fullback they have ch is going to make the team isaiah pacheco is their uh, primary uh returner right now so he's a lock to make the roster so then you have are they going to keep three running backs or four running backs and Jerick mckinnon has zero dollars guaranteed he's it seems like he's been running ahead of um ronald jones ronald jones is only his guarantees is less than a million dollars himself they don't need ronald jones i can see one of them one of those two getting cut. I'm not, it's not a lock to happen, but you're looking, playing the games here. If Isaiah Pacheco is playing special teams, uh, Jarek McKinnon has been playing some special teams. Do they want the passing down back and Jarek McKinnon on the roster? Or do they want the early down grinder and Ronald Jones, or maybe they do want both of them. But I think for the most part, it's been Clyde Edwards Alaire with the ones and everyone else has just been kind of rotating in. And everyone seems to like this Isaiah Pacheco guy because he has the size profile and he's got the athleticism. Now, if you go look at the Rutgers stuff, he did average like four yards a carry at Rutgers. That's not the greatest news ever. And he was never like a passing down specialist or anything like that. To me, all, all this just rolls back to what if CH is just not as bad as we think ends, or at the end of the day, he's a first round pick attached to, pa- to Patrick Mahomes.
0: Yeah. What if he got down to 165 pounds last all season and was never like quite there heading into last year? Um, yeah. As you outlined Pacheco shout out to Matt Waldman. He's a favorite of his is the first team kick returner right now. Where he's going to be running as first. that's big news. You're just not going to cut that, you know, but there were also times in the postseason when they were trying to win that Jarek McKinnon was flat out playing ahead of CEH, right? There's also, if anyone has the profile of being a high value touch inside the five back, it's Ronald Jones. CH literally has not done it since the second week of his rookie season. Um, but it sounds like Ronald Jones is like that man from the outside looking in at this moment. This It's going to be – final question is the right way to put this. And I love doing this. I I, I made this statement with Tony, with Ayuk, with Josh Palmer. Is this the latest from here on out that you're going to be able to draft Clyde Edwards-Alaire at running back 28 and 87 overall?
1: I think so because I think they're going to give him every opportunity in the preseason to be – the number one they're not going to try to embarrass him with guys that they paid late in the offseason like a million dollars I mean the fullback the fullback has more guaranteed money than Ronald Jones this year like we're talking about very little commitment to either one of these I'll I'll put it this way Ronald Jones has the highest odds of getting cut uh, of anyone with an ADP around him like I think his ADP has a chance to drop and I think that Clyde edwards uh has an, has an ADP that could climb a little bit. I'm not sure if we're going to get this fully ironed out for another couple of weeks, though. Yeah, uh, I think they'll give Ronald Jones a full chance because he's a veteran to make it through. But we'll see if Clyde Edwards-Hilares the, is the passing down back or the goal line back. I think that's going to dictate whether Jarek McKinnon or Rojo is the true number two here.
0: Yeah, and Ronald Jones is still being drafted as running back 43. That's right around Alexander Madison, Naeem Hines, Kenneth Gainwell, Daryl Henderson, Michael Carter. I can't do it. That's super rich. That's super.
1: Nobody rich. wanted Ronald Jones. Like going back to this offseason, nobody wanted him. He's making basically no money. Like, and n- nobody
0: wanted the him. other part of this is the Chiefs can really freaking run the ball, man. Their offensive line are smash mouth. Uh, the space with two high safeties that they would be allowed to run underneath, they should have done it more often against the Bengals. You know, that's why they won that first game, right? <sighs> There's someone that's going to be really, and it could be CEH. It's CEH, C-E-H. It's a year early. Is it? Also, quickly out the wide receivers. Sky Moore looks great, which we love to see. Love Sky yep. Moore coming in the draft. Judas Misuser making a tough grab each and every day. And it's more in writing than it is on highlight reels. But apparently, MVS is making plays too. And they're using these guys in all different groupings. We saw today highlights of Sky Moore getting carries from the backfield. Um, we've seen Juju really getting down the field, which he wasn't allowed to do in his final years in Pittsburgh. And we know that MVS is making plays too. So it's, it's a Brady bunch. It's like a really fun grouping of, of everyone. And I'm in on all of them. I'm and in Patrick all Mal- of them.
1: How's Mal- Mal- a fifth round pick now? Not even a fourth round pick. I know. Fifth rounder. That,
0: Just do that's it. that's the one to keep in mind because again, he was, he is the quarterback four now. Lamar Jackson's going ahead of him. Two picks. Justin Herbert's going ahead of him. Six picks. It's never been cheaper this entire summer to get Patrick Mahomes than right now. Crazy stuff to say in August. I'd suggest I'd say just buying that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, maybe we'll close out these big headlines with one of your favorites. And hopefully everyone took this advice in our six wide receiver sleeper show. It's Isaiah McKenzie who's been torching camp. And it wasn't just when Jamison Crowder was missing basically the first week of training camp. It's been also since Jameson Crowder is back on the field that Isaiah McKenzie, who Josh Allen called a muscle hamster, one of the best nicknames of all times that Doug Martin relinquished. Um, we've always been huge fans of Isaiah McKenzie. It wouldn't have shocked me if Isaiah McKenzie got, I don't know, $4 million in free agency and said he got a special teams contract. But it seems like he's going to be playing a lot more than that this season.
1: Yeah, Jameson Crowder also got a special teams contract. So it's just who's better? And it sounds like. Isaiah McKenzie is going absolutely ham. I would say that he's won early training camp by a wide margin. Like every single day on the athletic, it's actually crazy. They have just like a section dedicated to Isaiah McKenzie. And it's like really just hammering it home. because they're like, Oh, I just read this yesterday. And they're like, Nope, still at it. Uh, so I think Isaiah McKenzie's remains a smash. He is going up in ADP as he should. I think he is the odds on favorite for that job. That job is very valuable. If something happens to Gabe Davis or to Steph Diggs, all of a sudden you have the number two, on a pass first offense, and Isaiah McKenzie is just so fast. Like he has major, major big playability. At the same time, I do want to say that these 170-pound receivers tend to look pretty damn good uh right. when you're not fully uh hitting. And so so I think like we should expect Isaiah McKenzie to be looking good in training camp. I think it will actually pay off.
0: This could come back to bite me, but I've also seen him. Being listed by people or mentioned as the number three wide receiver. Let's say something happens to Gabe Davis or Stefan Diggs. That doesn't mean Isaiah McKenzie is probably going to be lining up on the outside. Like they're very different archetypes here. Like Khalil Shakur might be doing that. Jamison Crowder did a little bit more of that than Isaiah McKenzie ever has, you know? But like, and who the Bills want to be when three wide receivers are out there, especially against those man or zone beaters over the middle of the field, like he did against the New England Patriots, Isaiah McKenzie can shine in that territory. Absolutely shine. And like you said, there was a long portion all of July where Isaiah McKenzie was going undrafted. And now he's not like now he's one seventies ish. Yep. Okay. I do want to take a little bit and argue with a comment that you just made that Isaiah McKenzie is the one that is headlining training camp. No, my friend, it's the man who I call this year's post hype playmaker and it's Brandon Ayuk. Every single freaking day, Brandon Ayuk is the man. Yep, And it just makes sense. And it's why I've ranked him way above ADP as 69th overall in our free draft guy, which you can check out down below. He's among actually the number one guy on the 10 must-haves. There's a whole clip on him on the channel. In terms of where Trey Lance is going to attack for this team versus where Jimmy Garoppolo, everything was focused towards the middle of the field. Outside the numbers, 10-plus yards down the field. Brennan last year, despite being in the doghouse for the first seven weeks of the season, had 22 targets in those areas. Debo Samuel had five. You know, it's, again, where Trey Lance is going to open up this offense, Brennan and they seem to have a great friendship, too, is, uh, is perfect for that. And, again, I know his ADP is only going to get higher from here on out. I'm glad I was early on it, but I'm going to stick with it, man. Cause I think Brandon, Ayuk, despite how many great weapons this team has can still smash wherever he goes.
1: And this is one I'm going to capitulate on and move up. I had him at hundred. You rightfully called me out on Twitter for it. I moved him up just right now to like 89, which like lined up with his ADP. The Trey Lance training camp stuff. Hasn't been that great from what I'm reading. Um, so I'm still concerned about how Debo Samuel and George Kittle and Brandon, Ayuk are all going to pay off their ADPs here. But at the end of the day, if I'm not in on Debo Samuel in round two, and I'm not that in at the four or five turn with George Kittle, and I am in on Trey Lance, I got to go to Brandon Ayuk right after. So I have been drafting some Brandon Ayuk uh, right after I've drafted Trey Lance. And I think, like you said, he does match up with where Trey Lance wants to throw the ball. At the end of the day, I'm still concerned about the overall passing numbers in this offense, though.
0: Two notes also on the 49ers. Uh, Debo has running back incentives, rushing incentives in his contract. One, Ayuk had two rushing touchdowns his rookie season because Kyle loves to use the motion and the action in the short areas of the field. Uh, That stood out to me because... Who knows who's going to be the short yardage runner? We know that Trey Lance is going to get some of those opportunities and, and Debo thrived on those on the edge. Um, so that makes it like I think it's a million and a half dollars if he hits easy and not they're easy incentives, but they they are incentives, I think, that he hit last season. And then also, you outlined this: the 49ers offensive line is struggling, namely on the interior. I think part of that, Hayden, is that the <laughs> 49ers defensive line is just mammoths and they're really yeah. good. And so it's a really tough matchup on a daily basis. If your name isn't Trent Williams and Mike McGlinchey,
1: but they were awful last year. There was like, it was like turnstile time. Uh, like the right guard play. There was a couple of games where I was like, what the hell is going on here? And I mean, let's not bury the lead here. Trey Sermon still running with the twos. He's looking pretty good. He's, he's bulked up. He looks better. He's training with Dalvin cook, Uh Ty Davis price of the fifth round guy. He's behind Jordan Mason, who I did have basically even never heard of. Trey Sermon is going drafted, undrafted every single time. And he's, if you're right about Trey Sermon, that means the Eli Mitchell drafters were wrong and the Ty Davis Price drafters were wrong. We're still talking about a third round pick last year. That'll be enough of me until we get to preseason week three. No. And running with the twos still.
0: <laughs> you're, you're gonna, well, he ran with the starters last year and look what we got. We still got shit out of luck. I'm just asking um, for the
1: twos and an 18th round pick. That's all I'm asking for right now.
0: Go and check out the Eli Mitchell video that we have down on the channel too. Okay, rapid fire. Rest of the way. You cool with that? Let's do it. Ramondre Stevenson has also been a big winner of this training camp. To the point, Hayden, I've seen him being drafted not just ahead of, well ahead of yes. Damian Harris right now.
1: Yeah. Uh, he has – the Patriots want Ramondre Stevenson to be the third down back. They're giving the opportunity to do that. We'll see if he is able to do that. I still think Damian Harris is the better, uh, like, third and short. Who am I giving the ball to? I'm still giving it to Damian Harris. You can make the bold case Ramondre Stevenson has higher of a ceiling, but I think that Damian Harris remains – the 1A, he still is the 1A in the drills. Um, so I'm going to be ranking Damian Harris slightly ahead of Ramondre still.
0: Yeah, I mean, the massive difference that we still don't have the answer to is who is the one who is going to get the carries inside the 5-yard line, inside the 10-yard line. I mean, Damian, again, had 15 rushing touchdowns last season. He had 30 carries inside of the 10 and scored 11 touchdowns on those. Compare that to Ramondre stevenson who had 11 carries inside the 10-year line of literally a third a third i love Ramondre. i loved him a lot more when he was going about 24 spots later than he is now but literally back to back in drafts it's 96 overall damian harris 97 overall Ramondre stevenson we just did an employee draft yesterday and i got damian harris at pick 116 no one wants to draft damian harris right now i get it but I think this is still a two-person backfield because James White is still MIA. He's going to retire, I think. I mean, his hip surgery, there's no, quote, no clear timetable to return. This could easily be a two-person backfield. If one of those goes down, it's a one-person backfield because as we saw last year with Ramondre, the rookie hurdle is massive to play in this offense, so I'm not really in on Pierre Strong or whoever else they want to throw at us.
1: It's been J.J. Taylor. Ramondre missed practice, I think, yesterday, and J.J. Taylor was the third down back, and that's what Mike Reese mentioned uh, back in minicamp. So I, I'm not drafting J.J. Taylor. I don't, I'm don't. i not drafting any of these other guys.
0: We did this. I mean, Hayden, I don't want to count my chickens before they hatch this year, but we had Josh Palmer, Kadarius, Tony, Ramondre, Stevenson about 30 spots Julio. after all summer. Julio, Isaiah McKenzie, don't count them yet, but it's looking pretty good. Okay. Can we talk about Romeo Dobbs? Let's do it. Packers wide receiver situation with Christian Watson. We know Watson was the, what, second round pick of the group. Some people loved his profile. You and I were highly skeptical because he was all athlete, all athlete. And there's been no positivity since. Meanwhile, Romeo Dobbs, formerly known as Dubs, is the man who is on the surge. Like he is arrow up. And every single day he's making a big play. He's now up to 183 overall in ADP wide receiver 80. That's again, before we actually see preseason action. I mean, he is being drafted in every single format right now. And it makes sense from someone has to catch the ball. Someone has to fill in for MVS down the field. And it kind of sounds like it's Romeo Dobbs at this point.
1: Yeah, I mean, at this point, none of these players project well. Sammy Watkins has flaws. Randall Cobb, Christian Watson was not a prospect that you and I liked. I didn't like him at all. Uh, this this kid is coming out of nowhere. Alan Lazard's never been one so here's what I'm going to do. When Aaron Rodgers says, I like this dude, I'm just going to listen because none of these wide receivers make sense, and he thinks that Alan Lazard's the number one, and he keeps talking of this guy, so... I'm not smarter than Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is has as much control over his organization as any quarterback in the league. If Aaron Rodgers says these are my guys, those are his guys.
0: Yeah. And as I will always bring up, someone, someone is going to get these inside the 10-yard, inside the 20-yard targets, where Devontae Adams was tied for second inside the 10-yard line and third inside the 20. He's a very unique player, Devontae is, and you can't do the exact same thing. But this team is still going to score points. You know, they're still going to have red zone opportunities. So while, albeit in a different area, maybe it's more the running backs involved, as we've seen with the splits with Aaron Jones. And by the way, some reports came out today because I think both Lafleur. And Aaron Rodgers got on the mic and said that A.J. Dillon, the passing game will be utilized more and more often. That's not something he did early in his career or even in college, but he did showcase it in the few moments that we got last season. So that might be something when you look at past numbers and in the projections, it doesn't account for it as well, because I actually thought I test only. He looked very comfortable uh, working along the sideline and getting down the field too. Okay, more NFC South running back talk. I'll give this one to you. What the heck happened with David Montgomery, Chicago Bears, and NBC Sports Edge headlines today?
1: Yeah, so this one is something that I think it was, if you read the the column, he just kind of went out there on special teams just like as a bonus. And the coach is like, oh, this is great for our culture. Like, David Montgomery is our star, and he's going out there on special teams. I mean, we'll see, man. Like, I think this is just, we're bored.
0: Oh, you say that but I posted a Khalil Herbert video today who I still love. And someone said he might be the number one. Now, did you see that Dave Montgomery's working in special teams and as the kick returner
1: Uh, It's great for your stocks,
0: you're going to say, look how much Khalil Herbert's up as much as we make jokes about this. People do run with it. Right. And I'm the Dave Montgomery stuff was not a demotion. It was truly him being like, man, I've got nothing to do. Let's go out there. Like it was the last thing in a column of about 2000 words. And I think it, I hate how it disrupted everything in the conversation in the discourse.
1: I think the next, the literally the next athletic column, they said that like David Montgomery remains
0: like their true feature back. It's like see Irv Smith is missing practice and might return by week one with a broken thumb. This is really important because after you and I love Dawson Knox and there's some love for Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard too. Um, it can be really tough to find after Ertz the Titan 11 and beyond the one that you want to fall in love with. And a lot of people made their planted their flag with Irv Smith, but now he's just going to miss the entire preseason.
1: I, I remember I just woke up and I like sorted by the Titan ADPs and like all of a sudden like Irv Smith was going like 125th overall. I was like, what happened here? I didn't understand that. Why was he the Titan 11? Yeah. Well, I don't he's know. Still there. And I'm just waiting. For, uh, give me, let's get deeper than that. We're going to David Njoku. We're going to Evan Ingram. We're going Pat to, Frymuth. we're going to, we're going deep. I mean, Pat Firemouth was going after Irv Smith. Like oh, yeah. we're going Dawson Knox as our tight end one. And then we're going David Njoku and then Evan Ingram.
0: Yep. And you also can throw in some Hunter Henry's in there. Some Gerald sure. Everett's in there. Let's have some fun. Let's boogie. And let's not have to rely on Irv Smith. Who literally has what, like 60 targets. And, is, and I was shocked by it was that many. Uh, and we've also learned that KJ Osborne is in fact, running and is the wide receiver three. And that's a lot of fun. Lots of positive buzz. If Justin Jefferson is playing more slot, which he even said he was on the ringer NFL show, then KJ Osborne is that outside to inside type. Cause we know that Adam Thielen is an outside wide receiver for the Vikings.
1: He's Josh Palmer. So yeah,
0: love that. Um, anything else we want to hit? I I've wrote a couple things down. Speaking of tight ends, uh, literally the Jelani woods cannot play tight end at all. As I told people, that was your take. Yeah. I mean, literally, he can't play football, and all the beat writers are saying he cannot play football. Kylan Granson is dropping every single pass, and so if we're looking still for a late round tight end, who Matt Ryan has targeted tight ends in his history, Mo Ali Cox, quote, is the only Colts tight end worth a damn.
1: He's the biggest man on the planet. I'm convinced. So whenever I put on the All 22, and you see Mo Ali Cox running down the seam, you're like, who is that? Uh, yeah, I think like, we're getting to the points like Cameron Brait, Taysom Hill, and then Mo Ali Mo Ali Cox, and then after that, it's like. Oh, boy. So I think that in the 18th round, you can go Mo Alley.
0: 210 overall ADP for Mo Cox. cox uh, Also, Mike Kosicki's being used in, in some instances, entire practices as an inline blocker. I think for as long as I've worked with you, I've put Mike Kosicki on my fades list. Um, yeah. I, last year, I definitely did. Um, I think if the Dolphins had the wide receivers that they wanted to, it would have been a correct call. But since they... Lost Will Fuller didn't really have Devonte Parker either, and him lining up as a slot wide receiver, it worked out. But with Jalen Waddle, with um, Tyreek Hill, with Cedric Wilson as well, the slot snaps, like true wide receiver snaps, which Mike Kasicki does his best work from, are almost going to vanish. And it doesn't seem like they want to keep him at all moving forward.
1: George Kittle's like 18th in routes run per game. You know, like a very similar offense here, and that's George Kittle. So yeah, it's it's a very interesting fit. We didn't really truly understand why they kept him. On the roster, I guess, well, because so the, before
0: Tyree kill, I guess. And yeah, yeah. The, 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 the tight end franchise tag is cheap it's in cheap. comparison.
1: But he's not a he's not a system fit in the first right. place. So if they're asking him to block, that's either it's just going to be a way better blocker than he ever has been. And he's going to be OK. Or it's just gonna be like, all right, we're playing. Uh, the, they, they just drafted like a third round, tie, like yeah. a couple of third round tight ends. Yeah. yeah.
0: And the window to sign a long term contract in the franchise tag is already over. And it just sounded yeah. like there was no even well attempt. Done. To do it, I'm I'm a full-on fade at Mike Kosicki as wide receiver Same. 14. In considering, Hunter Henry is going as wide receiver 15, just three spots later, and I mean that's not even close.
1: Is there a Dolphin that you're drafting seriously? At ADP, at ADP, is there one? There, I well, have depending
0: one. on builds, Hayden. I might take Tyree Kill or Jalen Waddle. Oh, I'm not totally guys? against Tyree Kill. Okay, uh, Titans camp. Trail on Burks practicing apparently making plays, looking good. Robert Breathing. Woods doing the exact same thing. Um, the name that is now tossed in here is Kyle Phillips, your boy from UCLA working in the slot. You said it in the Slack. You're like, who is this Kyle Phillips guy? I didn't even mention it because I wanted you to Google him and find out he was a Bruin.
1: No, I, I do remember a, a white slot receiver playing the Trojans <laughs> and going crazy. It was him and uh, the, Greg Dolchich. Just like, who oh, are guys. these guys? Right. Yeah, the final UCLA was able to compete with USC. Uh, he's been shredding camp every single day. It's like, Yep. Kyle Phillips. And it sounds like he's already getting first team uh, snaps. Uh, Of course, slot receivers and first team offenses are not fantasy viable. So he's not in that picture. Uh, Traylon Burks has improved. He should be out there. And uh, Nick Westbrook-Akini is out there. Robert Woods. I don't know how they're going to do this, but I think we have to figure out who's in two wide receiver sets. This is one of those offenses where it is a requirement to be in two wide receiver sets to be a fantasy viable. We'll figure that out. I think probably preseason week three.
0: Robert Woods, low key. No one is going to care about him this year as wide receiver 49. And he's in that territory of Russell Gage, Sky Moore, Tyler Lockett, Chase Claypool, Tyler Boyd. And that makes total sense to me. Like, that makes total sense. You're in? I'm, okay. I'm
1: not in. I, okay. I mean.
0: No, here, here's my hang up with Traylon Burks, who we had everyone getting excited in the dynasty community who absolutely loved him. And then we had the negativity in camp. Um, yeah. He's now being drafted as wide receiver 43. If if Kyle Phillips is legit a thing that gets me a little worried about how Traylon Burks is going to maybe maximize his early opportunities because he was at his best catching passes over the middle of the field and just running with them. Right. And some of that was in the slot. Some of that was on the outside. If you just ask him to line up on the outside and beat his man one-on-one, those were the elements of his evaluation that I had trepidations about.
1: Yeah, I'm very curious to see where they line them up in the preseason. It's been drills for the most part. I haven't figured out how they're going to divvy up touches, but it comes back to, is he in two wide receiver sets? If not, then we have problems.
0: Okay, just two quick ones, and we'll get out of here. Um, John Mechie, as we know, is diagnosed with leukemia. Hopefully everything is okay. It's really crazy. Like, I'm sure we all have someone who has dealt with cancer or leukemia close in our lives, and that's just, I'm, I'm sure that it's unspeakable in terms of going into your rookie season and having something like that pop up. Um, meanwhile, for the Texans and their wide receiver group, uh, Brandon Cooks seemed to score five touchdowns the other day in training camp. And then Nico Collins is making play after play after play. Another plant flag for us early in the offseason wide receiver, or excuse me, round 17, around 18. That now has to be around 14, around 15. This year's AJ Green, some might say.
1: He is, and I think you still have to be buying... Who's their wide receiver three? I was like messing with the depth charts. I was like, who's going to play the slot? It's like Chris Conley, but Chris Conley's like, not a slot receiver. I was like, how does how this even look? It's like Chad Baby? I don't know. Yeah,
0: yeah. I so mean, just
1: we, Nico we, Collins.
0: Yeah, we, we talked about Nico in our wide receiver sleeper show. I think he's in my ideal draft list as well. Uh, he's legit good on the outside, like big body gets on the field, fights and trash, and I'm excited to see what he does. Okay. I guess we'll close to the Jaguars backfield. We've already talked about this a little bit. Um, James Robinson though, just keeps ramping a little bit more and more and more into camp. This is a interesting dynamic. We're in though, where, you know, Travis Etienne was going in round three, still is going in round three. Previously was round four and round five. Uh, I'm not saying that James Robinson is going to be good, but just the mere presence of James Robinson will take some opportunities away from Travis Etienne, But with that said, better and best ball type running back Travis Etienne because John Shipley, everyone else covering that team says he is the most explosive player on that offense right now.
1: Yeah. And all eyes are on Snoop, uh, Connor, who's going to be playing, uh, tonight and we'll see what happens. I'm very curious to see what they're going to do with James Robinson. They got to ramp him up and all that stuff. Everything's been looking all right. I'm not on Travis Etienne in third round. I would have been in in PPR. Sure. Uh, in the fifth round on underdog, I would have been there right now. Like, I just, I hate to say it, but like Zeke Elliott versus Travis Etienne. when we're sorting by touches this year, it's like right now it's not
0: even close. So, and that that's going to, someone can clip that in a couple weeks when he reels off a big play and all that type of stuff. And it's like, Oh, you guys were dumb, but in totality, I'm, I'm with you, but you can read about that in the draft guide. Is there anything else that I forgot that you want to hit on before we go?
1: Um, if there was, I'll write about it in the training camp. I have the top 50 storylines of training camp, and I keep updating that once we get the answers on some of that stuff. So look on the Underdog Network
0: for that. All right. Appreciate you all. Check out the rest of the videos. Andrew, Tony, Doom, Elston's, Rubio, Jonathan, all of you people. Up the Vela. We will talk to you next week. See ya.